Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Uh, we do have a couple of anniversaries. On January 23rd, 1368, Chinese rebel leader Zhu Yuanzhang was crowned Hongwu Emperor. Uh, Zhu, who was also known as the Emperor Taizu, uh, emerged as the leading figure in the very multifactional Red Turban Rebellion. Uh, against the Yuan dynasty, the Mongols, that began in the 1350s. Uh, his coronation marks the start of the Ming dynasty, the next of uh, China's great uh, ruling families. Uh, they ruled China until the mid-17th century. Uh, on January 23, 1963, fighters with the African Party for the Independence of Guinea and Cape Verde, or PAIGC, attacked Portuguese forces in the Tite region, kicking off the almost 20-year Guinea-Bissau War of Independence. Badly outgunned, PAIGC fighters were able to use the terrain to their advantage. They armed themselves with weapons taken from defeated colonial soldiers uh, and won the war simply by outlasting the Portuguese. When the National Salvation Junta came to power in Lisbon, after the 1974 Carnation Revolution, it began negotiations with PAIGC that ultimately led to Guinea-Bissau's independence uh, in September of that year. Uh, the following year, PAIGC also negotiated uh, the independence of Cabo Verde from uh, Portugal as well. Uh, on January 24th in the year 41, the Roman Praetorian Guard assassinated the sitting Emperor Caligula for, uh, well, a lot of reasons, frankly. Uh, the regular ridicule that he heaped upon the guard's commander was a big one. His alleged plans to uh, move the imperial capital to Alexandria didn't go over very well. And he had a, shall we say, rather grandiose sense of self that tended to rub people the wrong way. Uh, these are just a few uh, of re the reasons, and I'm sort of uh, being obscure about some of them. Uh, but with no real plan in place for succession, uh, another guard faction, while this was going on, while they were murdering Caligula, smuggled his uncle Claudius out of the city, uh, and he was subsequently proclaimed the new emperor. Claudius turned out to be a fairly competent emperor. Modern historians tend to put him in the good or sometimes even very good category uh, when ranking Roman rulers, uh, although his reputation definitely benefits by comparison with both his predecessor Caligula and his successor, uh, who turned out to be Nero. This was not a very good period for Roman emperors, I think it has to be said. Uh, on January 24th, 1984, uh, Apple began selling a new computer that it called the Macintosh. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. I would guess uh, it turned out to be fairly successful, but uh, I don't know. It'd be nice if somebody could do a little update on this and, and find out what happened to that thing. Uh, on the, uh, Let's move on to the news. There's some international stories uh, to talk about. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists set its famous doomsday clock at 90 seconds to midnight on Tuesday, mostly due to the war in Ukraine. This is 10 seconds ahead of where it had been for the past three years. This is apparently a record. I put that in quotes because uh, I don't find this all that significant. If you place value in this completely subjective measurement of uh, danger, uh, then I guess, sure, that's fine. If it works for you, it doesn't really work for me, although I take their point, certainly, that things are particularly tense at this moment. Uh, on a more positive note, the Carter Center says it recorded only 13 cases of guinea worm uh, worldwide last year, uh, confined to four African countries, six cases in Chad, five in South Sudan, uh, and one each in the Central African Republic and Ethiopia. Uh, the Carter Center has been trying to eradicate guinea worm for a long time now. Uh, in the last few years, its efforts have been really trending in the right direction toward full eradication, but uh, they're at a stage now where like eliminating these last very few 
cases, it, it can be quite difficult. Um, it can be very hard to just get these last few snuffed out, particularly uh, when you're talking about something that is uh, or treatment efforts or amelioration efforts that are uh, very vulnerable to being disrupted by hunger, f- uh, f- you know, f- uh, drought, um, you know, anything, war, any any kind of insecurity. Uh, so, but things are apparently going in the right direction, at least. Uh, and according to the Committee to Protect Journalists, 2022 was a particularly deadly year for media workers around the world. At least 67 of them were killed globally last year, up considerably from 45 in 2021. Most of that increase can probably be explained by the war in Ukraine, where at least 15 journalists were killed. That said, the most dangerous region last year was Latin America and the Caribbean, which accounted for 30 of those 67 killings, which is apparently the highest annual figure the CPJ has ever recorded for that region. On to the Middle East in Lebanon, Judge Tarek Baitar, the judge who has been overseeing the investigation into the August 2020 explosion that destroyed much of Beirut's seaport, uh, resumed that investigation on Monday after having been sidelined for more than a year over political and legal issues. Uh, And he's gotten off to a running start by formally charging former Lebanese Prime Minister Hassan Diab, uh, current Prosecutor General Ghassan Awaydat, uh, and several other current and former Lebanese officials in connection with the blast. Uh, Awaydat hasn't responded directly to the charge, but he reportedly sent Baitar a letter on Tuesday informing him that actually his investigation is still on ice and cannot be resumed until uh, Lebanese courts, uh, which don't have uh, apparently are not fully staffed with judges uh, conveniently, rule on a number of legal challenges that that have been leveled against the investigation. Uh, It seems unlikely to me that Baitar is going to be able to make any progress under the circumstances, and there's some possibility that he himself may wind up facing charges uh, as a result of trying to restart the the investigation. Uh, Also on Tuesday, the Biden administration blacklisted a Lebanese money changer named Hassan uh, Mukhaled, along with his two sons and his business over allegations that he's been working for Hezbollah. In Jordan, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu visited Amman on Tuesday for a chat with Jordanian King Abdullah II, the first time he's made that trip since 2018. I'm sure the people of Amman were just thrilled to see him. Uh, Among other issues, Abdullah warned Netanyahu against changing the legal status quo surrounding Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, and its surrounding compound in Jerusalem, uh, a warning that presumably stemmed from last week's dust-up, which we covered in the newsletter, over uh, Israeli treatment uh, of the Jordanian ambassador. Uh, In Iran, two Iranian police officers were apparently ambushed and killed early Tuesday in southeastern Iran's Sistan and Baluchistan province, according to provincial officials. Uh, Sistan and Baluchistan is generally mired in some degree of instability owing to a mix of Baluch separatists, Sunni jihadists, and criminal networks involved in smuggling to and from Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, It's been more trouble than usual in recent months amid the protests in other parts of the country over the the death of Masa Amini. there have been indications, uh, which we mentioned last week in the newsletter, of an Iranian police buildup there uh, that could prefigure some sort of crackdown. Uh, this incident will likely increase the chances of something like that coming to pass, though uh, so far uh, it has not. Uh, in Asia, Myanmar, there are reports of recent fighting between Myanmar security forces and anti-junta People's Defense Force rebels in southern Myanmar's Kayan state. Uh, according to uh, AFP, militia fighters launched a drone strike a few days ago, that's uh, a quote from the piece, uh, on a military outpost near the town of 
Kyonedo. I'm sorry if I'm mangling that. Uh, uh, there's another one coming up here that I'm probably going to butcher as well. Uh, sparking an artillery battle that forced over 1,000 residents of that town uh, to flee. Uh, I haven't seen any information uh, in terms of casualties. Uh, ethnic Karen rebels also reportedly attacked the town of Payathonzu late Monday, which sent civilians fleeing across the nearby border uh, into Thailand. Uh, elsewhere, it seems the Myanmar military may have breached Indian airspace earlier this month when it carried out strikes on Chin National Front rebels uh, at a facility very close to the Indian border. Uh, the Indian government has denied that claim, but does acknowledge that at least one bomb used in those strikes landed on Indian territory. The risk of escalation in situations like this is obviously high, though in this case, uh, this particular case, Indian officials seem willing to let the border violations slide. Uh, in Indonesia, the Indonesian government summoned Sweden's ambassador in Jakarta on Tuesday to lodge a complaint over the protest in Stockholm over the weekend in which far-right politician Rasmus Paludan burned a copy of the Quran. Most of the reporting surrounding that protest has focused on the angry reception it received in Turkey and what that might mean for Sweden's NATO bid, and we'll have more on that uh, a bit later. Uh, but it seems worth noting uh, uh, that the incident has generated outra outrage across the Islamic world, not just in Indonesia, but all over the Islamic world. Uh, but I did want to at least point out one case where it's had diplomatic repercussions. Uh, in North Korea, the Biden administration has named diplomat Julie Turner as its new special envoy for North Korean human rights issues, a position that has existed in the U.S. State Department since 2004, but that went unfilled under the Trump administration and into the first half of Joe Biden's presidency. She'll need to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. That's not likely to be an issue. Uh, elsewhere, the FBI on Monday alleged that North Korean hackers were behind the theft of some $100 million in digital assets from the cryptocurrency currency firm Harmony last year. Most of that money has apparently already been laundered, uh, although the FBI claims it's been able to freeze some of the stolen assets. In Oceania, New Zealand specifically, Jacinda Ardern uh, officially stepped down from her post as New Zealand Prime Minister on Tuesday, finalizing the resignation she announced abruptly last week. Uh, the Labor Party quickly uh, had quickly elected former COVID response minister Chris Hipkins uh, as its new leader, clearing the way for Ardern to leave office sooner than the February 7th deadline she'd previously set. Uh, Hipkins officially took over as Prime Minister on Wednesday. Uh, Ardern is apparently intending to stay in Parliament. She will will presumably try to keep a fairly low profile moving forward. Uh, that may be difficult, but we'll see. Uh, in Africa and Mali, a World Health Organization doctor named Mohamedou uh, Diawara was reportedly abducted by unknown assailants on Monday in eastern Mali's Menaka region. Uh, according to Reuters, Diawara, quote, has been leading efforts to provide medical care to remote communities at risk of violence, end quote, in eastern Mali. Uh, jihadist militants affiliated with both al-Qaeda and Islamic State are active in eastern Mali, and it's likely that one of these groups... Uh, is now holding him. Uh, in Niger, the Nigerian military says that its personnel killed 11 terrorists, and uh, put that in quotes, that's their terminology, uh, in operations last week in the Tilaberi region, which is in southwestern Niger. Uh, according to AFP, those operations included a move against a fuel trafficking network that was apparently supporting militant activities. Uh, these operations also uh, apparently included support from French military personnel. 
in Europe, uh, in Ukraine, this is uh, presumably today's biggest story, the great tank debate of 2023 can finally be put to rest as both Germany and, somewhat surprisingly, the United States are reportedly set to announce that they will be sending their main battle tanks, the Leopard 2 and the M1 Abrams, respectively, to Ukraine. These decisions could be announced as soon as Wednesday. It's a given that the German government will also announce that it's granting uh, permission to other European governments whose militaries use the Leopard to transfer their tanks to the Ukrainians. Uh, The decisions are related, as despite their denials over the past week or so, German officials really do appear to have been waiting for the U.S. to move on this issue first before they would be willing to. Uh, From a purely military perspective, the influx of tanks should help the Ukrainian military defend territory or even contemplate retaking additional territory that's currently under Russian control. That said, it remains to be seen what the timetable will be for delivering these vehicles to Ukraine. Uh, Some countries can probably transfer their Leopards fairly quickly, but transferring large numbers of Leopards or Abramses, I guess it's Abramses, uh, will probably take a fair amount of time, uh, and that's not including the time it will take Ukrainian soldiers uh, to, uh, to train, to operate operate them. Uh, It's not even particularly clear to me that the Ukrainians want the Abrams. Uh, And the Biden administration, it should be noted, is probably not going to put a firm deadline on transferring Abrams to the Ukrainians, and they could could delay that for a while. It's not, again, it's not clear that they want the Abrams, which by many accounts is both more complicated and less reliable than the Leopard, uh, but apparently it was really both or neither because the Germans were not going to take this step uh, without the U.S. Uh, off the battlefield, I, I would say the big concern here is, of course, the possibility of escalation. Uh, Russian officials have suggested that they would regard a decision to supply Ukraine with tanks as some sort of red line, though they've made similar threats so many times in the past now that there's a sort of boy who cried wolf quality to them at this point. Uh, on the other hand, with the tank issue seemingly settled, one wonders what will be the next major weapons platform that Ukraine absolutely needs and that will totally change the complexion of the war. Um, I guess is this is going to be aircraft, probably some mix of F-16s, uh, F-15s, A-10s, uh, and various other NATO jets. Uh, though anything is possible, uh, we could be talking about Reaper drones, cruise missiles, tactical nukes. The sky really may be the limit. Who knows? Uh, elsewhere, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is cleaning house amid a corruption scandal over the purchase of food at suspiciously inflated prices by the Ukrainian military. This is a common tactic. You pay more for something than it's worth, and uh, everybody kind of takes a little cut uh, of the overhead. Uh, Zelensky's deputy chief of staff, Kirillo Timoshenko, quit uh, amid the scandal and is, I think, the highest profile, as far as I can tell, the highest profile person connected with it so far. Uh, The turnover harkens back to Zelensky's 2019 presidential campaign when he ran on an anti-corruption agenda that went pretty much nowhere after his election. Uh, While there hasn't yet been any allegation of misappropriation of international support, I don't think there's any question that this very public purge is intended to assure Ukrainian allies that their generous contributions are not being pilfered. 
Uh, in Serbia, Serbian President Alexander Vucic suggested on Monday that he is open to a proposal uh, that was tabled by European Union officials last month to ease tensions between Serbia and Kosovo and put both countries on a path toward EU membership. Uh, the proposal would not require the Serbian government to recognize Kosovan independence, which is a non-starter from their perspective. Uh, Belgrade would instead simply have to drop its opposition to Kosovo, joining international bodies like, uh, to pick the most obvious example, the United Nations, uh, where Russia and China have been vetoing Kosovo's potential membership at Serbia's behest. Kosovo, in turn, would need to implement long-stalled plans to grant autonomous legal status to municipalities with predominantly Serb populations, ethnic Serb populations. Uh, the two countries would then open uh, representation offices in their respective capitals in lieu of embassies, because, of course, to open an embassy uh, would also require Serbia recognizing Kosovo's independence, which they are not going to do. Uh, I should note that U.S. Ambassador to Serbia Christopher Hill praised Vucic's uh, remarks on Tuesday. Vucic seems very committed to getting Serbia into the EU, uh, even if it uh, takes uh, some compromise on Kosovo. So we'll have to wait and see how this proceeds. Uh, in Sweden, the Turkish government has indefinitely postponed uh, a meeting with Swedish and Finnish officials to discuss both countries' NATO membership bids. This confab was supposed to take place in Brussels sometime, sometime next month, uh, but after Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan strongly hinted, which we uh, talked about in yesterday's newsletter, that Sweden's bid is kaput, uh, it's not terribly surprising to find out that they've canceled. Uh, the Rasmus Paladon protest in Stockholm, which we mentioned, I mentioned above when we were talking about Indonesia, is Turkey's immediate justification for postponing the meeting, though in general the Turks have not seemed terribly thrilled with the Swedish government's response to their demands over, for example, the extradition of dozens of Turkish expats currently living in Sweden who are wanted on various charges by Turkish authorities. Perhaps ironically, Paladon's little Quran-burning show has probably strengthened Air Erdogan's position in terms of giving him leverage to demand further concessions from Sweden and or from some other NATO members. Uh, hypothetically, he might like to uh, conclude the currently frozen F-16 purchase deal with Washington, among many other things. And if uh, the rest of NATO wants Sweden and Finland in the club badly enough, uh, they may be willing to talk uh, uh, well, I, should, I was going to say talk Turkey. That that would be really bad. Uh, they may be willing to uh, discuss some of these other needs with Erdogan in an effort to kind of uh, entice him to, to go along with the program. Uh, in the Americas, uh, in Peru, during a press conference on Tuesday, interim President Dina Boluarte called for, quote, a national truce to allow for the establishment of dialogue to fix the agenda for each region and develop our towns, end quote. Uh, it's unclear whether she has any influence over either the protesters who are demanding her resignation or the security forces who keep killing those protesters uh, such that she could really uh, credibly implement such a truce. Uh, Boluarte has refused to resign but has said that she intends to leave office after the next general election, which is likely to be brought forward to April 2024. She's apologized for the dozens of people who have been killed since the protests started last month uh, with the ouster and arrest of former President Pedro Castillo. But she's also tried to absolve security forces of at least some of those deaths, though it's entirely unclear who else could have been responsible. 
in Colombia, security forces are apparently following through on President Gustavo Petro's plan to shift drug war tactics away from efforts to eradicate illegal coca crops. Colombia's National Police Force earlier this month said that it would seek to eliminate 20,000 hectares of coca this year, which is down 60% from the 50,000 hectare target it set last year. I believe they uh, actually eradicated like 44,000 uh, hectares. Uh, the Colombian military is expected to announce a similarly reduced target at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Petro has proposed targeting traffickers uh, and industrial-sized farming operations rather than small coca farmers, which makes a certain amount of sense, given that targeting farmers with eradication programs has never actually succeeded uh, in reducing the cocaine trade. Uh, under former President Ivan Duque, the country eradicated some 130,000 hectares of coca in 2020, and, well, the non-results speak for themselves. Uh, for smaller farmers, Petro intends to improve upon subsidy programs that are supposed to help support uh, their shifting out of the coca business. So uh, radical uh, change in tactics all the way around. Uh, finally, in the United States, Michael Clare at Tom Dispatch argues that the U.S. military is making a fundamental error in its assessment of the threat posed by China. I'll read you just the first two paragraphs of his piece. Given the secrecy typically accorded to the military and the inclination of government officials to skew data to satisfy the preferences of those in power, intelligence failures are anything but unusual in this country's security affairs. In 2003, for instance, President George W. Bush invaded Iraq based on claims later, later found to be baseless that its leader Saddam Hussein was developing or already possessed weapons of mass destruction. Uh, similarly, the instant collapse of the Afghan government in August 2021, when the U.S. completed the withdrawal of its forces from that country, came as a shock only because of wildly optimistic intelligence estimates of that government's strength. Now the Department of Defense has delivered another massive intelligence failure, this time on China's future threat to American security. The Pentagon is required by law to provide Congress and the public with an annual report on, quote, military and security developments involving the People's Republic of China, end quote, over the next 20 years. The 2022 version, 196 pages of detailed information published last November 29th, focused on its current and future military threat to the United States. In two decades, so we're assured... China's military, the People's Liberation Army, will be superbly equipped to counter Washington should a conflict arise over Taiwan or navigation rights in the South China Sea. But here's the shocking thing. In those nearly 200 pages of analysis, there wasn't a single word, not one, devoted to China's role in what will pose the most pressing threat to our security in the years to come, runaway climate change. Of course there wasn't, because why would there be? Why would the Pentagon... <laughs> focus on anything other than the things that are going to get them more weapons. Sorry, I'm editorializing. Uh, but on that note, I think that's uh, a good place to, to wrap it up for tonight. Uh, thanks to all of you for reading and or listening to the newsletter. And uh, special thanks to those of you who are subscribers to foreign exchanges. Uh, and in particular, those of you who are paid subscribers, uh, I cannot uh, say often enough that it, without you, it would be impossible for me to keep doing this work. So thank you for supporting it. Uh, and, uh, please tell your friends. Uh, and I guess until next time, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.